from recruiting and consulting firm RiderFlex. I'm your host, Steve Urban, and here is your RiderFlex podcast episode of the day. Let me, uh, let me check my hair and make sure my makeup looks good. <laughs> you look great. <laughs> you look great. Uh, Jamie Zaman on the RiderFlex podcast. How you doing, Jamie? I'm doing excellent. Thanks so much for having me, Steve. Ah, I'm glad. I'm, I'm happy to have you. Uh, I think we're connected through my my buddy Bob Rourke, who also has a podcast, the Business Leaders Podcast. Which I think you're like, what are you like a co-host or something now? What? <laughs> tell me what's going on there. Yeah. So first of all, I I love Bob. I have to say that I'm a big fan of his in every mm-hmm. way possible. Um, but yes, he invited me to help co-host a Titan 100 podcast series, which is uh, a, a group of Colorado's top 100 CEOs and C-level executives here, 100 Titans of industry. And we have for a couple of weeks now been featuring various Titans, uh, having them come on the show to tell their entrepreneurial stories, share their words of wisdom or pearls of wisdom, as Bob would call it. And it's been it's been so incredible to interview further these titans of industry here in Colorado. Awesome, awesome. Well, yeah, Bob is a great guy and a friend of Rider Flex, and I'm glad we're connected uh, through him. And happy to have you on the show. Before we get into Titan 100, what about Jamie the person? Let's let's talk about you, right? Where, where'd you grow up? Some family stuff. Give us some early history. Go for it. Oh goodness, fun times. So I'm actually uh, from the East Coast. I was born and raised in Baltimore, uh, or Smaltimore, as we called it. Um, it's just a very small parochial, parochial town. So um, everybody really knows everybody. And when you ask people where they went to school, it's not about where you went to college. It's where you went to high school. So, ah, okay. Um, <laughs> but nonetheless, I grew up there, um, and I met. So how did I end up in Colorado is what people always ask me because I I literally went to school, you know, locally um, lived and worked in and around the Baltimore metropolitan area between DC and Philadelphia and New York and whatnot. Um, But I met my husband out here on a ski trip, ironically enough, 11 years ago, um, convinced him to move back to the East coast because I was at the time running a company He came begrudgingly, but said, you have to promise me we'll eventually move back to Colorado. So uh, five years later, two kids, two dogs, we finally made the move back here to Colorado. So um, obviously, I'm a big avid skier. That's kind of one of my favorite hobbies. Um, I also love scuba diving. I'm a big water baby. That's probably the biggest complaint I have with Colorado is that they're are no oceans. Um, <laughs> there apparently are more scuba divers here per capita than any other, you know, landlocked <laughs> state in the country. Um, I don't know if it's just the thrill-seeking Colorado nature, but that's uh, that's something that I have as a pas- passionate um, part of me as well, which is I just love the water and I love the mountains. So I'm kind of torn. The, prob- the problem is the water's cold here. Yes. Right. Yes. Well, they have a lot of um, apparently cave diving that takes place here. Although really? I have not tried that. Not really up for that. Um, mm. I like to go where the fish are. So. Okay. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Gotcha. 
Okay, so so were you working at Smart CEO Magazine in Baltimore, and then you moved to Colorado with that job and worked remotely? Or how did that walk me through that? Sure. So I joined Smart CEO Magazine back in 2003, and I was recruited there. Um, fell in love instantaneously with not just magazine publishing, but what what the magazine represented. And so Smart CEO was a regional, at the time, a regional monthly business publication that went exclusively to CEOs in the Baltimore area. So we were reaching roughly 15,000 CEOs at the time. Okay. After a year, I went to the owner and said, I love the concept. I think we should expand the magazine and launch in DC. And he said, okay. Um, and so I took on the role of associate publisher and then publisher for Washington back in 2005. And we launched in May of that year, Ted Leonsis, who was the former chairman and CEO of AOL, graced our premier issue cover. And we were off to the races in DC. Okay. And so I ran that market for five years uh, before we decided we were ready to expand it again. And we, uh, moved to Philly, or I moved to Philly to personally oversee the launch and the startup and the expansion into the Philadelphia market. So if you look behind me, there's a picture on my wall, and that's Pat Croce, uh, who was the who was the owner of the 76ers. Um, yeah. Charlie Peasy is standing next to him. So that's like a, that's the inaugural Philadelphia issue cover that we have. I don't, I don't have one of Ted. I need to get one of Ted. Um, <laughs> It's a, it's a big old poster, it's like huge. Um, but we expanded to Philly and then I moved back to our headquarters to oversee all three markets um, okay. as the group publisher. So at that time we were reaching 45,000 CEOs through three different publications in the mid-Atlantic. Mm. Uh, and then after that, we did an expansion. We bought a company out, out of New York um, and we expanded up there. We broke New York into three markets Long Island, uh, New York, and New Jersey. And so those were the three markets. We produced three separate pubs. Um, and then we did an expansion down to Charlotte. So we were roughly in seven cities up and down the East Coast with about 125,000 CEOs that we were reaching through print, digital. We did award programs. I want to say um, over 50 a year. Um, large okay. scale corporate awards programs. So, but the mission was always the same. It was to educate, it was to motivate and inspire CEOs and entrepreneurs of growing companies. Mm. So I've have, you know, 13 plus years of interviewing the region's most enterprising CEOs in print, in digital, nice. on video, which is kind of what I've gravitated towards. So, yeah, so, um, that's a little bit more background about Smart CEO. And then why'd you leave? I mean, it sounds like you helped grow the company. Um, how many employees did they have when you when you left? We were upwards of fifty employees okay. Okay. Um, at the time. So yeah, we, it sounds like. Yeah, go ahead. I was gonna say. So this is a good lesson. Um, so we were going pretty quickly. We were gonna do expansion rollout here to the West Coast. We had identified a couple of markets and. Um, kind of like the perfect storm or a, like 
bad storm, if you will, we we basically ran out of cash. So we oh. ended up having to fire sell the company um, to mm. uh, another publication down in Texas. Mm. Um, and we we were forced to close our doors. We we ran out of cash. So Bummer. big life lesson learned there. Um, so, so yes, I, to me, it was a good sign that, okay, now it's time to, to make that next jump, um, in moving back to Colorado because I couldn't obviously, because there were so many things that I was tied to on the East coast. What year did you move back to Colorado? So I've only been here three years. So okay. in 2018. Okay. Okay. So, so your husband says, Hey, I've been following you around. You made me move to Baltimore, <laughs> Philly. Let the, you know, you, you, now that this job is over, let's move to Colorado. Okay, great. Did you land the job at um, Denver Business Journal before you moved back or did you move into town and, and find something? How'd that happen? No, so I always said to myself, I love working with entrepreneurs. I love working with CEOs. It's what I did for almost 15 years. I'm either going to go start my own business, run someone else's company, um, wasn't quite sure, but I didn't want the pressure. So I wanted okay. to just take some time to kind of enjoy life a little bit. Um, <laughs> you know, 15 years of growing a company into what we did, it takes a lot out of a person. Mm -hmm. So I decided that I was um, gonna just wait till I got here and then started exploring some opportunities. And the business journals, got wind that I had um, of what had happened with SmartCO and they tried to recruit me and I was like, you know, thank you, I'm not interested. And then they said, please just come, you know, interview with us and, you know, see what we have available to offer. So I sat down with them and they made me an offer I couldn't refuse. So I came and worked with them for a year. Um, okay in the capacity of, of sharing a lot of institutional knowledge and experience and what we had done in developing a very strong CEO publishing community. So, okay. however, I will say that the, the business journals um, here in Colorado and specifically other cities as well, possibly don't really cater too much exclusively to the CEO audience. It's really the general, business community at large mm -hmm. which is not it's not my true passion okay. um i really do love the ceo c-suite community and that's really what i wanted to focus on and so that's why i choose chose to leave um after just over a year and so just i started yeah okay. so i started titan ceo just a year after um being with the denver business journal so you go to your husband and you say, hey, you've been following me around. I moved back to Colorado. <laughs> By the way, now I'm going to quit my job and I'm going to do this startup, which probably isn't going to pay me anything for the first year because I got to get it going. And uh, yeah, talk, talk to him. <laughs> By the way, was he working and what, what's he do for a living? <laughs> so my husband is a, well, he's a former ski instructor, although he was oh. not my ski instructor. I will say that. Um, <laughs> former ski instructor. He when he moved to the East coast, we opened a gym together. Um, oh. right. So that was my second job on top of wow. Company. Okay. Wow. All right. Yeah. You yeah. guys were busy. <laughs> we were busy. Um, so we opened a gym together. We sold that gym 
um, actually three months before the situation with SmartCO happened. Okay. So to me, it was like a couple of things for the universe, right. but, um, mm -hmm. you know, we have, we had two small children at the time. I had just come back from maternity leave. So he became a full-time stay-at-home dad. Um, awesome. So that's what he did when we moved out here. Uh, is, he still, a, is he still doing that? So he does. And he also, um, so my youngest is now four. He just started preschool. Um, and so when he's not doing that, he's trading options. So that's a fun, fun uh, thing So he does. when you quit your job at the Business Journal uh -huh. and wanted to start Titan CEO, it's not like you had a spouse that was bringing in a ton of income, right? Because you, you, you were the primary breadwinner at that point. For sure. <laughs> Yes. Woo, man, tough, scary. Okay. Talk to me about how you started Titan. See what walk us into the transition there and how you got it going. Did you, did you have to invest a bunch of money? It was, was it was a bootstrapped and then walk us through some of the early uh, parts of that to where, until you were able to actually start paying yourself. That's the, I really think that most of the listeners are always fascinated by that transition from a regular job to your startup and how did you do that how did you make that work financially at home and what were the scary parts walk us through some of that go for it sure so steve you know i've spent as i had mentioned 15 years writing about how other people grow companies and mm -hmm. how other people start companies so i've amassed a, an immense amount of experience from from that perspective and just right. who you right. surround yourself with. Right. Yep. I yep. also used to be a member of EO in Philadelphia. Okay. So I was in a group um, with seven other gentlemen who I, I love like family. Um, right. And I saw the, the power of, of what that brought. I've also hosted so many private CEO roundtable discussions. Mm -hmm. And so for me, it wasn't about inventing something new. It was just, um, bringing something to a market that I felt was missing. And okay. so that was what I set off to do with Titan CEO. So my goal initially, um, knowing what I know about launching markets, because I launched two markets, DC, Philadelphia, um, by moving there and immersing myself in, into the community. So I said, I'm going to create a platform for CEOs called Titan CEO, which is essentially CEO peer groups, but I'm okay. going to do it different than how I did, how I participated in an EO capacity. I'm going to do it different than a Vistage, than a tab, than a YPO. Um, and so that was initially how I was going to structure it. Um, because one of the most important things in business growth is the ability to develop repeatable revenue streams. Mm -hmm. And so a membership platform is one that lends itself to recurring revenue. Mm -hmm. So I knew that I just needed to set up essentially three CEO peer groups um, with eight CEOs, eight Titans, if you will. And that would be how I would initially create the foundation okay. of Titan CEO. And so that's what I did. I spent three months um, January, February, and March, meeting with as many people that would meet with me to hear a little bit about the vision that I had for Titan. 
Um, and so at Titan, we do two things. One, we work within uh, small groups of CEOs of similar sized companies. And right now I work with CEOs roughly between a million and I think the largest CEO is probably 60 million okay. in revenues. Um, and we do two things. So we work through business related challenges because every CEO faces them. That tight knit community where you can openly share what's going on in your world professionally, personally, um, and get experience sharing or group think from other CEOs is a really powerful tool. The other thing we do is we also work towards building business valuation um, because I don't care whether you want to build your company to transition it to the next generation of leaders in your organization, to someone within your family, or you want the big sale at the end of the day. It's about building your company with the right structure. And so some of the work that we do is structured around eight foundational values, uh, things like recurring revenue is one of them. Uh, the owner's trap, right? Which is how much of your business requires you working in it versus on it. Mm -hmm. um, and so similar to a value builder model, right? We look at these eight specific growth drivers and we bring in course curriculum that ties into those things. So that's one aspect of Titan. The other most important thing that I think every CEO needs besides a peer group is they need a community. And I recognize the value of community through what we built on the pages of the magazine, off the pages of the magazine, and through the digital platform. And so to me, that was something that was really missing here in Colorado. And that was a gated community for CEOs, for, for vetted individuals that are different in their approaches, in their thought. Uh, we call them the entrepreneurs, right? We call them the titans of industry. And so that was how the Titan 100 program was brought here to Colorado. It's not a new concept. I did it back on the East Coast successfully in several different markets, mm -hmm. but I realized that nothing existed here in Colorado. And so that's how mm -hmm. I set off after a year of launching Titan CEO to then say, okay, now that I've gotten enough CEOs in the community, I've done enough events here locally, I'm ready to launch this new platform, which is the community play. And that's for the CEOs that are in the Titan CEO peer groups that want access to community. And it's also for the CEOs that apply for that, that want all of the benefits that come along with the Titan 100 program. What's the primary difference between Vistage or EO or YPO? Like, how would you like quickly with just in, in one sentence or two, what, what's the primary difference? Cause I, as a CEO myself for RiderFlex, you know, and I was a CEO for a couple of companies before I started RiderFlex, you know, I get those phone calls all the time. I have several people trying to recruit me into these different things. What's the quick difference? You know, I think there's benefits. There's pros and cons to every CEO peer group. It's about finding your tribe. So for some CEOs, it's really hard for them to break away for a full day. Um, that might be a challenge that they see with one peer group over another. For others, it's the quantity of people. For others, it's the quality of people. For others, it's the curriculum. For some, it's facilitator or non-facilitator led. Mm, mm, um, mm. I see pros and cons on all sides. And so, um, and I, I will tell you, I've put a lot of CEOs over my career, especially in the East Coast, into Vistage, into TAB, into YPO, um, into other 
you know, CEO related groups. I think they're all amazing. You have to find your peer, your sort of mm. CEO tribe um, because lifelong friendships can be built. And if you find the right one that gives you the opportunity to openly express your deepest thoughts as a CEO, mm -hmm. the value is immense. Yeah, very good. What's So is it a monthly fee? Is it an annual fee? How does that work if you want to join? Walk us through that. Yep. So you can visit us at titanceo.com to learn more information first. But yeah, it's a monthly commitment um, for three to four hours once a month. We also offer private one-on-one coaching, um, either monthly or bi-monthly. It depends on what the needs of the CEO are. And then also there's a community platform for those CEOs that are looking to expand their networks beyond their peer group. Mm, are those things you just mentioned, are those extra fees? I'm guessing you pay a little bit more depending on what you sign it up for. It depends. Yeah, there's a couple of different levels of membership depending on the needs of the CEO. Do I have to sign up for a full year or can I pay month to month? So it's an annual commitment, but okay. you pay month to month. <laughs> so there's okay. it takes time to kind of get integrated into a group. Um, mm -hmm. Speaking from experience, you know, it's about when you're the new one in the group, that's been around for a while. It's about six months, I mm. feel, before you feel really comfortable and you just sort of know who's in, in your circle. Um, that's just been my experience. How many members do you have? Do you call them members or clients or I don't know what you call yeah, them? Members. Yeah, members. Yeah. So I have I have three CEO peer groups right now here in Colorado. I also have um, two virtual CEO groups that I um, facilitate that okay. are in partnership with the 2% CEO mastermind. So those are my people too. Um, I, uh, and that's um, sponsored in part by Foresight CFO. So let me just, so the listeners don't get confused. This 2% CEO coach that you have on your LinkedIn, is that a mm -hmm. separate entity that you do it private is. consulting for on your, okay. Correct. I see. I see. Mm -hmm. Yes. Okay. So I can sign up to be part of Titan CEO and be part of the group, but I can also get Jamie on the side personally for some coaching <laughs> through 2%. Is that, is that right? <laughs> Something like that. Yes. There's a little bit more detail. <laughs> okay. Very good. What's the most, what are, what are a couple of real fascinating things that you see when these CEOs get together? Like what, what are some of the re really interesting things you've seen from people as they join the group? Is it, is it them sharing really secret personal stuff? Is it them sharing um, the stress and pressure of being the CEO? Is it, is it, is it um, what, are, what are some of the most fascinating things about these conversations? Well, if, if I could define it as fascinating, I don't know if I would use that term. Yeah, maybe would... that's not, maybe that's not the right <laughs> word. <laughs> um, you know, we cover all different things and going through my experience, going through what I see with the groups, anything's on the table. I mean, as an entrepreneur, as a CEO, really your business is your life. And so your personal life is your business life too. So sometimes the two are really mixed together and we'll see CEOs that bring to the table personal challenges um, that are affecting their ability to, to come to the table and be their best CEO authentic self. Um, sometimes it's, it's deep rooted partner challenges or um, 
long-term key employee issues. Um, right. Sometimes yeah. it's strategy. Sometimes it's, you know, revenue issues. I mean, gosh, when we were going through COVID, it was, you know, how the heck do I navigate this? Does anybody have a playbook for this? No, we, you know, we sort of all talk about, okay, what are you doing? What are you doing? What's working? What's not working? Um, and that can be a really powerful thing. You know, the biggest, the biggest thing I think that comes out of groups like this is that usually there's not someone that hasn't seen a problem. Mm -hmm. And so when you get the group together, if you bring a problem to the group, there's usually someone who has either experienced it or someone who knows someone that's experienced it and they can offer some experience sharing that can help navigate it. It's also mm -hmm. a great learning mm -hmm. opportunity for those that haven't had to deal with it so that they would know how they might work through a particular challenge if it chooses to arise. How do you navigate the egos from these, these CEOs, right? Like most CEOs- No type egos. A you don't, yeah. don't have any egos <laughs> <laughs> these are all type a pretty driven uh, people you know do you do you, i'm sure you've mastered the art of uh balanced conversation so that somebody doesn't yeah talk to me about that <laughs> yeah um it's no secret i use an egg timer so ah. a more digital version of an egg timer but <laughs> um we make sure that everybody has a an allotted time to use their share of voice because mm -hmm. it's important that everybody comes to the table with insight and experience sharing so we don't allow anyone to overly monopolize the conversation <laughs> yeah you you're you're the referee a little bit i'm sure you know i i can tell you this i i, I have never actually been part of a group i've been you know people have tried to recruit me into groups many times over the years i, I never have signed up for for it but I think it's because I had enough CEO friends just personally that I would get together with and, you know, uh, for happy hour and pour my soul out to where I felt like I was able to do it with somebody, but I probably should have joined a group, probably still should. But the one thing I, I can relate to is this, you know, until you have run a company, until you have actually been captain, CEO, until you have sat in that chair, it really is almost impossible to describe the amount of stress and pressure that that job brings. I mean, people talk about it, people write books about it. You, you know, you can do all kinds of things, but until you live it, it, it really is just hard to describe. Um, and I would just think that being in a group that like you've developed would would relieve some of that stress or be able to talk to people about the emotional struggles of, of the job. And, you know, and I've been married to my beautiful wife for 20 years. And I always say, you know, as close as Kim is to me, and, and as much as we talk about the business, even her, like it's even, it's, it's still difficult for her to truly understand the pressure until you live it, right? Mm -hmm. That is what is so refreshing about talking to another CEO that's been part of a small company or startup and, you know, they've walked around at 3 a.m. in their living room in a cold sweat, scared, peeking out the window to see if the car's still there for it's been repossessed or whatever. You know, they've lived it, right? So they can talk to you about these things. And I can see how that would be super, super helpful, I guess, is, is, is my point. Oh, it absolutely is. And, you know, I will say that another thing that's also 
beyond just getting around the table and sharing problems, right? Because there's a lot of growth and opportunity that can come from that. Something to be said when you can bring in curriculum or forward thinking mm -hmm. initiatives that mm -hmm. challenge you to grow your company, that challenge you to learn, that challenge you to think bigger, to act bolder. And so that is a big part of the cadence that we try to wove into what mm -hmm. we do. So we want our CEOs working on building the strength of the organization, building mm -hmm. that business you know, valuation. Mm, very good. So, so what's the plan? Oh, by the way, how many employees do you have? Are you running it by yourself? You got two or three people? What's how, what, so, how big is it? <laughs> so right now it is just me. I work with a lot of um, freelance workers, you know, yeah, yeah, um, yeah, part-time yeah. folks, but it's just mm -hmm. me full-time. Um, and so one of the things that we're ramping up for is our 2021 Titan 100 program. And okay. so um, I've got a full committee. I have a board that is involved. Um, so I know how to work within different communities to get the support I need um, <laughs> because I did what you talked about, which was the headache of overseeing upwards of 50 employees for yeah. a decade. And um, yeah, I, I, I live vicariously through my CEOs right now on their <laughs> challenges. I'm just happy to worry about myself right now. <laughs> Isn't it? Isn't that interesting? You brought that up. I have managed people my entire life. I'm 53 years old. I've been managing people since I was like 17, right? And I've run a couple of $40 million companies myself before Rider Flex. Yeah, managing employees, period. It, 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 you know, that is, I mean, we could do a four hour podcast on that topic. <laughs> it probably is refreshing. You're probably refreshing to just kind of manage yourself for a while, but, but what are the plans? I mean, do you want to grow it? Do what's your, what's your vision and plan? And do you have a, like a whiteboarded plan? Like, Oh, I'm going to do this. <laughs> and then I'm going to sell it. I'm going to take, you know, private equity money. Do you have anything like that planned out? Go. For, yeah. Let me, let me hear that. So the goal right now, um, you know, we just, we roll, we launched the Titan 100 program in January of 2020. And then of course the pandemic hit, right? So, <laughs> which we still were able to successfully execute an incredible year um, and nice. publish a Titan 100 book, which is a copy of Ooh. it right here. Yep. Cool. Which all 100 were featured in. We did an awards program that was rescheduled three times, um, nice. which successfully took place in September of this past year. Um, so, I think for 2021, the goal is to just have the program be a little bit more normalized. Um, okay. and, and then as we look to 2022, the discussion, there's already, I've already been approached about expansion to other cities. Okay. Um, and so I would say that is a goal, um, but it will come with the right types of partners. And so, okay. you know, the formula has been that we can create um, a really incredible community here that has staying power and really does offer something that doesn't exist here in Colorado. And so as we look to the future, there are a couple of cities that have been identified. There's a couple of partners around the table who are excited about helping us to evolve it. And so that is part of the plan. Have you taken on any cash at this point or it's all you? It's all me. 
All right. So you're 100% owner on the cap table. You don't have to deal with any investors or anything like that, at least not yet. Correct. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Very good. Awesome. Well, congratulations on what you've built so far. And it sounds like it's continuing to grow. And you had a great year, even in 2020, it sounds like. So congrats. Thank you, Steve. So entrepreneurial advice as we move towards some wrapping up here, uh, you know, you've visited with I, I like to think I've visited with a ton of entrepreneurs and CEOs. You've obviously done more than I have uh, based on your career. You, we could do a four-hour podcast on this, but if you had to give two or three pieces of advice for an aspiring entrepreneur that wants to start a business that has an idea, but they haven't, they haven't started yet, anything you want to tell them based on what you've heard over the years? You know, I get asked a lot of questions in, in sort of different group sessions of CEOs that have decided to bring on an immediate partner to sort of launch a business or go it themselves. Mm -hmm. And I always recommend that they go it themselves um, if they can. Mm -hmm. And part of that is it depends on a little bit of your strengths. I think a lot of entrepreneurs are incredible visionaries, but it also takes a really strong executor to be able to execute on that vision. Um, mm -hmm. And you have to be able to really do both. I've seen so many amazing <laughs> ideas that are out there, but the lack of ability to execute is what kills more dreams than anything else. Mm -hmm. um, if you're gonna bring on a partner, make sure that that partner has a complementary personality. You don't want two visionaries. Right. If you're the visionary, your partner should be an executor. Um, unless you're a unicorn and you're a visionary and an executor at the same time, um, which you end up sometimes have to be because you have to be the person who has the vision and then turns around and can sell it to all the people, get mm -hmm. your investors or get your product or service out there to the market. Um, and you, you, by being that executor and that visionary, you put so much of your heart and soul and your passion into what it is that you're launching. If you can keep it that way. So that's a little bit of my recommendation. Isn't it fascinating how most visionary creative type people, most of them, the vast majority of them just cannot organize and execute the plan. They just can't because they're just not, they're just they're not built that way. Right. Uh, and it's so critical. I mean, Scott, that's one of the reasons, you know, Scott and I have such a great balance at Rider Flex and I've seen it so many times over the years. And you're, you're right. A visionary tries to start a company because they had an idea or they made a product, they invented something. Right. And so then they, then they put themselves in the CEO chair and then they forget to surround themselves with tactical executors and Guess what? It goes nowhere. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I've seen it so many times. Great advice. Me too. <laughs> uh, okay, last couple of questions. If you could call the young lady in Baltimore uh, coming out of high school right before she went to college and talk to her today and tell her anything based on what you know and what you've learned, what would you say to her? Uh. That's a really good question. You know, I think that I would tell myself that um, everything does happen for a reason. Mm. There's learned experiences 
around everything that you may view as a failure or an obstacle. Someone once told me that obstacles are put in front of you every day and they're there to figure out whether you really truly want something or you thought you wanted it. Mm. And so I tried to live that way. Um, people will tell you that I am very much a visionary, but I'm also a heavy duty executor. And so I just look at challenges like, again, do I really want it or do I think that I want something? <laughs> so I would just remind myself of that and say, you know, the things I fought for made it all worth it. Mm. I like that. I uh, One of the things I say about the obstacles, very similar, is I say to myself, if there are no obstacles today, it really means I'm not moving forward and I'm just stationary. So therefore, the obstacles are a positive thing. <laughs> yeah, you got to get uh, comfortable with it. Got to right? get comfortable with the challenge just because there's a roadblock. You don't give up. You don't right. pack up and go home. You fight through it. Absolutely. Last question for you. If you had to, at this stage in your life, at this point in your career, if you had, to, and, and I'd, I'd like for you to answer this without involving your husband or your two children, because I'm assuming they're your primary core purpose. But if you had to define your core purpose in life outside of your immediate family, what would that sound like if you put it into a sentence? From the perspective of, I think one of the talents that I try to work towards, and that is helping people see the potential in themselves before they may not realize that, that they see it. Um, mm. I'm, I'm definitely a pusher. Um, you can do it, you know, be fearless in the pursuit of what sets your soul on fire, right? So um, I, I feel that my, my purpose is to help people see that they can do whatever it is that they want to set their mind to. Love it. Perfect. Jamie, thank you so much for being on the Rider Flex podcast. I really appreciate it. Thanks so much for having me, Steve. It's always fun to be interviewed a little personally. <laughs> <laughs> If you think today's tip or guest interview can help someone you know, please share this with them. If you've enjoyed today's episode, please subscribe to our channel and hit the like button. The RiderFlex podcast features entrepreneurs, business executives, and the stories behind how they got there, as well as daily tips on career advice and job interviewing. You can visit RiderFlex.com to learn more about us and get information and pricing on the recruiting and consulting services we provide. Thanks so much for listening and have a great day.